season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. to the JKR podcast. Today we have former Tennessee volunteer and current pitcher in the Baltimore Orioles organization. We got Garrett Stallings on the JKR podcast for the Canes baseball series. Garrett, super pumped to get you on the show. How are you doing today? Good, good. Happy to be here. Happy to help out. Of course. I mean, again, like happy to have you. I know it's a a rough time, not rough time, but, you know, busy time in the season as it's getting rolling. Like you said, you guys are here, you know, driving out to your guys' first game here in a couple of days. Uh, But before we dig into your guys, before we dig into your baseball career, I got one question I'd like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast. And that is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? You know, who exactly is Garrett Stallings? Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you having me again. My name is Garrett Stallings, um, 25 years old. I grew up in Chesapeake, Virginia, near Virginia Beach. Um, come from a pretty athletic background. My my older brother played college volleyball at Long Beach State, actually. So, you know, kind of got to, you know, grow up watching him be athletic, throw in the backyard, do anything, but play baseball, you know, from T-ball all the way through. You know, I'm still lucky to, you know, still get to suit up and go to a locker room and do this for a living, which is pretty neat. But former Tennessee volunteer and now was drafted by the Angels and, traded to the Orioles and now uh, just grinding my way, trying to make it to the majors. Okay. So, you know, you're with the Orioles now, but let's throw it back to, you know, childhood, travel baseball experience, stuff like that. It'll just take us through, you know, how you got connected with baseball, obviously coming from an athletic family, I'm assuming with your brother as well. Just take us through that. And then, you know, how you kind of got connected with that Canes baseball organization. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I started like most kids did, you know, making the ranks through T-ball and coach pitch and actually ended up making like an all-star coach pitch in my in my local area. And then, you know, started branching off into the travel ball circuit, you know, probably as early as seven or eight, you know, traveling, you know, to Florida all, all around the country. You know, some most people would think it's crazy from the outside, but, you know, I'd say it's definitely worth it, you know, being where I'm standing now. But, uh, you know. Kind of started traveling, you know, I knew I was pretty good at baseball, but it started kind of taking off around that 13, 14 when you start getting on the bigger fields. And um, I actually got linked up with Evo Shield Canes kind of in a different scenario than most. Um, I was playing for a different team and, you know, a friend of mine, you know, I said I was interested in coming out and they said, yeah, you can come be a, you know, try out for our team. You know, here's a uniform, you can try it on. And I was super, super kind of nervous because, I think I was trying out for a 14U team, um, you know, a player with Steven Scott. His dad was the coach. And um, they said, here, try on the jersey. I'm like, they put me at third base. I hadn't played third base since I was like 10 years old. I, the first inning, I think I made a diving play through the first and, uh, you know, hit a double my first at bat. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I think I'm going to make this team. Little did I know. I was a pitcher and a catcher at the time, and I'm out there playing third base. But I think that was the best team I've ever played for was that 14U Canes team. I think after that tournament, I think the team hit more doubles and triples than singles. And I think I think that was the time where I was like, yeah, maybe I'll just keep pitching. You know, I'm, I'm playing with teammates like Bryce Wilson, who's in the big leagues now. He was our third baseman. And, you know, we had a super talented squad, you know, that ended up a lot of guys playing in pro ball. But 
that was actually when we were still wearing the green and orange before the yellow came out. Um, but then, you know, I guess I'm an OG cane. I think I played for four or five years before uh, going off to Tennessee, but it was a fun time. Okay, so yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. You mentioned OG Kane there, you know, wearing the green and orange before they switched to that yellow and black. You know, nowadays, I mean, the Canes are that organization that everyone looks to, to what Coach Petty, what Coach Gitson has built. You know, for you being there at the, I mean, not the beginning stages, but, you know, in that growth phase, what do you think kind of led to that success that they kind of built, you know, those years that you were there, but also the years following to where they're at now? Yeah, I think it was really cool for me, especially, um, you know, the group. So I was in the 2016 high school graduating class. That 2015 team was probably one of the most talented team, Canes teams, you know, assembled. I think they won four national championships in a row. You know, a bunch of their guys went to South Carolina and all these super talented teams, a lot of first round picks. Um, and I thought it was cool with the Canes. Like, even when I was going through the system, a lot of these players would come back, you know, they'd be at spring training or whatnot. We're traveling to Arizona, Florida, and like these pro and like former first round picks are like in the dugout giving us advice and whatnot. But it was just such a cool experience. Like, you're just surrounded by the best players in, in America. And I think, I think the best thing for the Canes for me was like, you know, I might not have been the most talented guy, but when you're surrounded by, the most talented guys, you know, it rises your comp competition level up. And, you know, I think that's what the Canes do so well is like, you know, they have such a winning culture and, you know, want the best for you as a player and a person. And I think it all just kind of feeds into your baseball game. Yeah. So you mentioned Bryce Wilson there, you know, was the third baseman of your guys' as, as, of your guys' age group. I know Petty and Gitson were also there, you know, throughout that time, 2012 to you know 2015 or so. But what were some of those relationships that you built, you know, with the Canes coaches, but also some of those Canes players in your graduating class, but also that loaded 2015 class as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think early on, you know, Coach Petty and the you know, Coach Gitson at the time did a you know phenomenal job getting the best players and you know, reaching out to coaches, kind of making sure you got everything that you needed in that, you know, but I made some, you know, special relationships with Coach Connor and, you know, Coach Flip Phone Lowry, you know, they say he, you know, for a long time, that was his Twitter handle and he legitimately had a flip phone, but, you know, he was a Virginia high school coach and knew me, you know, pretty well, but, uh, you know, we had some, you know, unbelievable coaches that, you know, they knew we had a talented group, but still challenged us in a special way. And, you know, Coach Mills with the pitching staff, I think when we went to Jupiter in 2015 or 16, my pitching staff, I think we only gave one or like one run the entire tournament. It's still got to be a record when we were there. That was the only national championship we won that year. But the fact that our pitching staff only gave up one run the entire year, like I bet is still not even been close to being matched. So um, this is going to be a, this is going to be a loaded question here for you. And the last question about the Canes, though. So throughout those times with the Canes wearing that green and orange, you know, going to all these different national tournaments, what is that favorite memory of? I guess you you can say couple favorite memories that come to mind when you think of that Canes baseball organization traveling the country with all these different players. What are some of those memories that come to mind? Yeah, yeah. I think the first thing when you're you're asking me comes to mind is. I think for it might have been like 40 straight days we went on this traveling road trip during the summer like I think I flew to maybe Florida and we hopped on a bus and we played on like a circuit where we ended up driving out to like Arizona so like my parents had given me a little bit of money they're like this is your money for the week like better save up but like it was such a fun time sharing rooms with 
you know, your teammates, Joe Rizzo, Seth Beard, you know, some of my better friends, Bryant Packard, like, I tell you what, that was like something that really got me ready for, you know, college, but not, a, not only pro ball, like what it's kind of like traveling around, continuing to play every day practice, you know, doing things like that. But it was just such a fun time. You know, you didn't like, obviously I didn't, I was kind of blinded at first. I'm just like, I get to play baseball. And, you know, obviously my family made a lot of sacrifices for me to get to do that, but it was so cool just getting to play at pro complexes and play against the best teams. And, um, you know, I think, I think everyone would tell you that with the Canes, it's, it's so cool about building the relationships, the amount of guys that I've played with or against that are in the major leagues or, you know, on their way, or maybe I played against them in college. It's literally such a small world. Um, so it's pretty cool whenever I get to interact with people. Um, you know, even Jared Mustang was from my hometown. We played against each other in high school and now he's, you know, he's repping the canes and, you know, sending them in the, you know, in, in the right direction. So it's such a small world and I'm, you know, I'm super, super grateful that I got to be a part of it, but, uh, you know, you finally get to, you, you know, you also get to learn so much from people who've been been through it, you know, the, the classes before you. Yeah. So after that time with the Canes, you got, you got to go on, play some SEC baseball for the Tennessee Volunteers. Take us through, you know, that recruiting process, just, you know, how it got started and maybe it, how it got started, you know, leading up to making that decision to go on to play at Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I always knew I was pretty talented at baseball, but I think after my sophomore year of high school, um, I think the first school that offered me was Miami and I it really kind of opened my eyes saying like, Oh man, I think I can play, probably play anywhere if Miami's offering me. And I was super grateful because my brother played college volleyball at Long Beach state and I got to, he's two and a half years older than me. So I got to kind of see how he went through the recruiting process, you know, emailing coaches, asking questions, kind of figuring out, you know, the ins and out not to rush the process. So I leaned pretty heavily on my brother and my parents at the time. And, uh, you know, I definitely took my time with my recruiting process. I probably visited 15, 20 plus schools in my time, especially playing with the Canes. You know, we'd go out on a high school field and there'd be 20 coaches holding radar guns out there. So it was, you know, a little bit different experience than most. Um, but I just took my time. I thought originally I'd go to an ACC school, my, you know, growing up in Virginia, you know, you know, a lot of good schools in Virginia, North Carolina, Um but Tennessee was actually the last school I visited and it was one that I fell in love with. And it was something that I knew when my feet were on campus there, that something was kind of pulling me there. And it um, was somewhere I could see myself playing right away. I think that was super important to me. I think a lot of players are like, Oh, Vanderbilt offered me or this, but like they might not play right away. And that, you know, that was something that was super important to me and uh, grateful. I had a lot of people I could lean on during that process. Yeah. So going to Tennessee, playing there for playing there as a freshman, I believe I saw you were a Saturday night starter, if I if I'm not wrong, there your freshman year. Take us through that that freshman year, that adjustment from playing top tier travel baseball, playing high school ball to going up and facing some SEC competition. What did that freshman year kind of look like? Yeah, it was super fun. You know, obviously, again with my brother playing college sports, I got to kind of you know bounce some ideas off of him, but. I kind of went in there with my hair on fire, you know, thinking I could, you know, take the place over and be a starter right away. And, uh, you know, I pitched super, super well in the fall, but ended up, uh, you know, we had some older guys that maybe had earned it a little bit more than me. So I was a bullpen arm for probably the first 20 games. And then as soon as SEC play came around, I became the Saturday night starter, which was such a surreal feeling, you know, I'm sitting there and, uh, you know, I worked up. My, my whole life to kind of be where I am. And I know I'm pitching in front of 10,000 people, you know, uh, it was a pretty cool, cool feeling. And 
you know, I think uh, people can tell you what to work on all you want, but I think one of the best ways to get better is just being thrown out in the fire and, you know, learning what works, learning what doesn't. And it's uh, pretty easy to know what works when you're in front of 10,000 people yelling at you when you throw a pitch that uh, maybe you want back and it gets over the fence. But uh, super fun time and, uh, you know, crazy competitive atmosphere. I knew uh, I wanted to be a part of it. I'm sure. So being thrown out into the fire your freshman year, you know, making that adjustment to, you know, just succeeding within the SEC, who were some of those, you know, upperclassmen, maybe some of those guys a couple years older than you that, you know, took you underneath their wing your freshman year and kind of showed you the ropes of, you know, just the right way of you know, playing college baseball? Yeah, absolutely. You know, first name that comes to mind for me is Hunter Martin. He was the Friday night starter when I was a freshman. And we pitched very similarly. You know, we were, you know, low 90s throwers with a really good changeup, you know, decent slider but not super super overpowering stuff and I got to watch him go out every Friday night and compete with what he had and out pitch these first round pitchers and it was pretty it was pretty cool because you know then Saturday came around and I got to see what he did well and what worked and whatnot and um, but you know we had a super super talented freshman class too you know we had, we had a bunch of guys get drafted like Andre Lipsius he's just a 40-man guy with with the Tigers and uh you know, my two roommates are now in the Philly system, um, Andrew Schultz and Zach, Zach Lindenfelter. So, I mean, we had a pretty talented group at, at the time. And, uh, you know, Garrett Crochet was the the Saturday starter when I was a Friday starter my my junior. So we, we had tons of talent. And, you know, it's been pretty, pretty neat seeing Tennessee just skyrocket, you know, off the charts and um, kind of make their Omaha runs lately. And it's it's been pretty cool to watch on this side of it. Yeah. So beyond that freshman year, you know, you go into your sophomore year, you're more experienced. You go through, you were, you were a starter for SEC play, you know, going into your sophomore year, you know, knowing kind of what to expect. How did that sophomore year, how did that sophomore year go about? And what were some of those benefits of already having that prior previous experience the year before? Yeah, absolutely. I'll take your question and expand on it a little bit more too, is uh, going into my sophomore year, I had a little bit of struggles probably for the first time in my college career and, you know, my baseball career, because as a freshman, players don't, players and coaches don't know you super well. You're just kind of a newbie in there and you kind of get to go, you know, excel at what you do well and they might not have the best scouting reports on you. When you come back around your sophomore year, they definitely know who you are. They know your attack plans and different not and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, that's pretty similar to pro ball too. You know, they have all the charts on all my pitches and they know what to do. And, um, but, you know, I kind of had a, you know, I had a good sophomore year, but I, I think I had a crazy stat. I think I pitched 75 innings and I only struck out 37 guys, which is pretty hard to do, especially as a guy who didn't miss any starts or anything. Um, but I kind of had a hard look in the mirror after my sophomore season. I was like, hey, like if this was my draft year, I don't even know if I would be drafted, you know? So I had a hard look in the mirror and was like, you know, I, I probably need to throw a little bit harder. I need to add another pitch so I can strike out more guys. You know, if this wants to become a reality of keep playing at the highest level and you know, then I come out my junior year and I think I struck out 106 players. I struck out more in my junior year than my freshman and sophomore year combined, which ultimately I think led to me being drafted in the fifth round. So I think my biggest advice to aspiring young players is to, you know, take a hard look at yourself and see what you need to improve that. And a lot of the times if you improve that, it's going to make uh make your game a lot easier in the, in the end. Yeah. So you talk about that development in between your sophomore year and your junior year, but looking at the three years you spent in Knoxville as a whole, what were some of those biggest things that you developed, you know, as a ball player, but even if you look at it as, you know, as a person as well, just some of those biggest developments just in yourself, those three years in Knoxville. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, uh, you know, I was fortunate to have two different coaching staff in, in Knoxville and uh, my freshman year coaches were great, but you know, if you, the reality of, of the SEC is if you're not winning games, they're going to move on to someone else. And, you know, coach Vitello came in and with his new regime and has completely changed, you know, taken, you know, Knoxville over by storm and the SEC by storm, which has been pretty neat because, you know, I think a cool thing about the Canes is I always say this, if I was going to write a book is, uh, you know, one of the chapters I would name is getting off the bus. One of the cool things about the Canes was we took this bus everywhere. And I feel like when we'd get off the bus, sharpen our uniform, everyone matching, I feel like other teams would see that and they, uh, they get a little bit nervous. Like they'd be like, Oh, this, I drove here with my mom and dad and this team's getting off a bus. So it's kind of like Alabama football getting off the bus. Like, you know, you're kind of a little nervous before you play. And, you know, I think Tennessee finally has that swagger again, you know, leading, you know, from our junior year all the way through to now, like, I think they used to come into Knoxville thinking they were just going to run over us. And now it's like, we're kind of a powerhouse in the SEC, which is pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah. Now that you actually led me into my next question, because I knew, I know, I knew Tony hasn't been there, you know, super long. So I knew you had to be there around some time within that coaching change. So that was kind of what I was going to ask next, but what was that like, you know, playing, you know, cause you know, Tony's built that program. Like, I mean, like you've mentioned to, I mean, I, I he was on MLB network for the MLB draft. And it <laughs> might've been the year that you got drafted. I can't remember. Uh, but you know, he's built that program so much here these past couple of years. What was it like? You know, what was just his coaching, coaching, uh, what am I trying to say here? What was his coaching, team, yeah. coaching philosophy? Yeah. Kind of take us through that. What was that like playing for Tony? Yeah, no, it was awesome. Yeah. So I was fortunate to have two years under, you know, his, his, uh, his reigns. And it was, uh, you know, I, I think he's the most competitive person I've ever met. And I think, you know, when he brings that energy every day, he makes everyone else, you know, hyper competitive. And, you know, with the coaching staff he brings in too, it's like, you know, Coach Elander, he's, you know, unbelievable hitting coach. And um, Coach Anderson has more experience than probably any pitching coach around, you know, being at Texas with Augie Garrido and, you know, being a head coach himself and his son's pitched in the big leagues. And I mean, he tells us stories about Clayton Kershaw and knowing him personally, all these things, just little tidbits that can help you, you know, every day. You might just be throwing a bullpen and he'd be like, oh, yeah, Kershaw does this with this curveball. Maybe you should try that. You know, that's pretty neat just having, you know, that much wisdom and whatnot. But, you know, he's so, com you know, back to Coach V, so competitive and he recruits so well and he's such a player's coach, you know, he would do anything for us players. And, you know, I think I could pick up the phone today and ask him for anything and he'd, you know, he, he'd help me in any way that he could. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool, you know, it's been really cool seeing it, you know, rise with him on him on board. And, uh, you know, I was just happy to be there as a part of it as well. Yeah. So, you know, going through your freshman year, you know, pitching SEC, be, being that Saturday night starter for this for SEC baseball play, you know, going through your sophomore year, really developing in between your sophomore, junior year, looking back at all three seasons in Knoxville, going through and just facing SEC competition on a weekend to weekend basis. What are some of the again, this is going to be like the final question, like we did with the game. Just what are those, you know, maybe a couple stories or a couple memories that come to mind when you think of Tennessee baseball being a volunteer and pitching in, in the SEC? Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, you know, until you've been in it, you know, it's pretty hard to understand. Like, I think my first, uh, my opening weekend in the SEC as a freshman was at Mississippi State. And I mean, I'm getting there and I mean, there are just 10,000 people saying all kinds of things there that, you know, you couldn't even imagine them saying to you, but it's all out of fun and out of love. But, uh, 
you know, I really enjoyed pitching at A&M too. You know, they're notorious for, uh, you know, yelling at the pitcher anytime they can. I, I think they try to incorporate your name whenever they can. So I remember like, they'd be like, and instead of yelling charge, they go, Garrett. And like, I mean, they knew everything about me. So I think, it, you know, it really helps you, you know, just raise your competitiveness too. Or, you know, try not to allow these little things get in your head and, I think uh, I think any player gets the chance to play in ICC, you know, you know, maybe has a little slighted advantage or chip on their shoulder because they've kind of dealt with, you know, you know, they're pitching in front of a lot of people on a, on a daily basis. But, it, you know, I loved every second of it. Like I said earlier, you know, you kind of learn by trailer air just being in it and super grateful that I was a three year starter. And I think I've, I've grown a lot because of it. Yeah. So with me being from Big Ten country here in Indiana, you know, when you go to an IU game, Purdue game or, you know, whatever, it's it's not, you know, that exciting as what the SEC <laughs> baseball. But I went to uh, last spring, I went to an Arkansas game, somehow made my way into the, the student section, was hanging out, hanging out with just some ra some random college kids. And they're they're yelling at the left fielder. They're like talking about his they found out his girlfriend's name. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, this is awesome. But I mean, I would hate to be that left fielder right now. Um, so, you know, like I, I, I wish that, you know, I wish that style of a fandom would come to the Big Ten. But, you know, SEC baseball is just built different. But uh, I'll, tell, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a quick story about Arkansas. And I think because I think Arkansas is probably one of the best atmospheres. And it's pretty it's pretty tough to win at Arkansas when you're there. Because um, I remember getting off the bus, you know, Friday night and. I mean, we get we probably get to the field two, three hours early and we get off the bus and there's already 12,000 fans there having like having a bonfire type party. You know, there just happened to be a baseball field in the middle. They were all surrounding it. And I am warming up before the game, doing my long toss and I'm I'm probably in center field and, you know, their student sections all and, you know, left field, you know, to the center field section. And I won't say it exactly because I don't want to say anything or I'm not allowed to say, but. I remember a seven-year-old kept yelling out my number. He's like, 27, 27. And I finally turned around thinking he's going to last for a ball or something. But in a nice way, he pretty much told me that I sucked. But he said a few <laughs> other choice words that maybe his dad told him to say. But, you know, I, I always hold on to that memory. Uh, you know, I thought that was such a funny moment. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but let's go ahead. Let's dig into the MLB draft here a little bit. So I'm sure with you, like we talked about before we started recording, Pretty highly ranked come out of high school. So let's dig into that first MLB draft experience. Take us through, you know, that senior spring, maybe talking to scouts for the first time, some relationships that you built. You know, what was that first MLB draft experience like before you got to Tennessee? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, you know, I think every little kid's dream that, you know, ever starts playing baseball, you know, to play at a professional level. And um, it was pretty you know, it's pretty unique when you, you go out there and there's a bunch of MLB scouts, you know, with radar guns, you know, watching you play in high school, you know, because I always dreamed of playing college ball. And, you know, I knew I could uh, probably play pro ball, but, you know, I kind of have my sets on college, but I, I entertained the MLB draft as well. So, you know, I had to fill out all the questionnaires and spend hours doing, uh, you know, the psychology test, this and that. And, you know, it's super, you know, it's a lot of work, but it's super fun and, you know, uh, ultimately leading to your dream of playing professional baseball. But, um, no, I mean, I was off to a hot start in uh, pro ball, but I, you know, luckily I could lean on my agent and my parents and, um, you know, I think I set my number pretty high, you know, you know, hoping to set myself up for, for, for my life after baseball. But, um, you know, I ended up entertaining it, meeting with some home visits and whatnot, but, 
you know, it just, we weren't seeing eye to eye. So I, you know, I got to move on and play at the next highest level in the SEC. So it was pretty fun. Okay. So, you know, in that, in that pre-draft session, you know, you're going through the questionnaires, the in-home meetings, you know, those, what do those questionnaires kind of look like? You know, what are those types of questions they're asking? And then for the in-home meetings, you know, what do those generally look like? Again, like, you know, you can't tell me everything, but from what you can, you know, what do those questionnaires look like? What do those in-home me meetings generally look like? Yeah, I think a lot of the times, you know, they're just challenging you, you know, mentally and, you know, see how competitive you are with, you know, certain questions, you know, what's your favorite pitches or this and that. They're just trying to get, you know, as much information out of you because they're end of the day, they have a job of evaluating you and, you know, the next guy, they want to get the most talented guys. And, um, you know, some of the in-home meetings are pretty cool. You sit down, you know, you might have some, you know, cheese and crackers out and you're just sitting there and, you know, you're kind of asking about their organization. They're asking about, you know, you know, what your goals are and what you want. Um, but uh, no, I think it's pretty fun. I always remember doing like the psychology test. So I'm sitting there, I'm 15, 16, and I'm sitting here circling, you know, what do I do with a grocery cart when I'm done with it? And, you know, you know, certain questions like that. And I'm like, how does this pertain to baseball? But, you know, each team, they've got their own, you know, policies and how it works out to get the the best players possible. So it was, it was definitely a fun process to be a part of. So, you know, going through it as a senior in high school, going through it as a junior in college, what was kind of that comparison, you know, in 2019 compared to in 2016 with you being in high school compared to being in college? Yeah, absolutely. It's, a, you know, it's a little bit, you know, different than people would expect in high school. It's a lot more hands-on like, Hey, scout with the Tigers, I'm pitching Tuesday at five o'clock and you actually kind of have to relay that information you know, I think one of the benefits about pro ball is, I mean, at college is, you know, the, the university kind of shields you from talking to them is so much. So the coaches answer all that for you. Hey, he's pitching here. He's doing this. And they'll actually have one set day where, you know, pretty much all 30 teams will come in and you go from station to station, get interviewed by each team. So it kind of takes the stress off of it when you're in college, you kind of just go out there and, um, play your game, help your team win, hopefully go win a national championship. And, you know, the better you play, the better your buddies play, you know, the more, the more eyes on you and, you know, you know, hopefully the higher you'll get drafted. Yeah. So recently they moved the MLB draft to July. I believe that was before, I believe that was after you were drafted. So were you guys still playing at the time of that 2019 MLB draft or what did that kind of look like those weeks leading up to, to that draft that year? Yeah. So I'm, the cool thing about, you know, my process is my freshman and sophomore year, we both came, both seasons, we came 13th out of 14th in the SEC. So we kind of got kind of kicking in the butt a little bit. And then my junior year, we turned it around and made our first regional in almost 15 years. Um, but we actually ended up losing in the, the regional final to UNC. So I actually went back to Knoxville with my family and I did my, I actually watched the draft out of Calhoun's on the river, a local restaurant there. Anyone from Knoxville knows where that is and sat outside on a lovely day and kind of went through the draft process and, you know, waited to hear my name on the second day, which was, you know, super cool. Yeah. So that, so that week leading up to the draft, well, you end up being, like you said, you're drafting in day two, but that week leading up to draft, you know, where's your mindset at? talking to your draft advisor, talking to your family, talking to different scouts, you know, what do you think in those couple of days leading up to that 2019 MLB draft? Yeah, it's a, it's a different process for everyone, but I think, you know, talking to your agent, talking to your family, talking to your coaches, you know, you kind of have an idea of where your name might be called. And luckily I had come off a pretty, pretty stellar season and knew I was going to be picked up. And, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy because you're just sitting there watching the draft and, 
you know, team after team's going, player after player is going, and maybe where you thought you might go, maybe where a team said they were going to pick you, but then they pick someone else. It's, you know, it's a, it feels like a really, really long day, but as soon as your name's called, you know, it's such a sigh of relief. And, you know, I feel like you make so many people proud, not only yourself, but your family, your coaches, anyone who supported you throughout the year. So, you know, I always like to say that, you know, it wasn't just a day for me, you know, it was all these people that believed in me and, you know, could help me achieve my dream. Yeah. So you ended up being drafted by the Anaheim Angels there in the fifth round. How long before that pick was called, did you know that you were going to be an Anaheim Angel? Yeah, I mean, funny enough, I mean, going through it, I knew there was five or six teams that liked me a lot that, you know, and cool thing about it was they were all pretty close to each other in the draft slot, you know? Um, so to answer your question, I didn't know they were going to, you know, they were one of the teams that I knew was interested in me, but they were actually one of the last teams to send me a questionnaire leading up to the draft. I'd filled it out thinking I'm like, Oh, I've already kind of filled a lot of things out with other teams. Like, and then funny enough, I got picked by them, which was pretty cool. I'm like, man, I'm really glad I filled out that questionnaire at the last yeah. second. Um, but no, it's super rewarding. It's a day I'll never forget. And, you know, super happy just thinking about it. Yeah. So you're sitting there at a restaurant. You said it's well, on a river, you said? Yeah, it's right by the river. And, you know, funny story about my draft is I was watching it on my phone. You know, you could watch it on a link on your computer or you could maybe pull it up on the um, TV. But I don't even think it was on TV because I think only the first and second round is on TV. Um, but I was sitting there just waiting. I'm out there. I'm sweating. You know, it's hot, all these things. And, um, you know, my roommate at the time, Will Heflin, he actually texted me congratulations. And I got probably five or six texts that said congratulations before I actually even heard my name called. So that was pretty neat. I was like, what's going on to this? And then, uh, you know, I got a phone call from an area scout or something right after saying congratulations. And, uh, you know, it's such a cool moment. Everyone that's counted on you or supported you is reaching out and super happy for you. But that was kind of funny that I found my friends maybe my stream was delayed 15 seconds or something um but i think that's funny just thinking about it yeah so you get off that phone with the with that um the angels area scout you know what happens next how long until you're flying out to maybe anaheim maybe arizona you know how long does that take before you're there you know signing that contract with the angels yeah yeah i think um i i should know this better than i than i know but i i think it was just several weeks i think two or three weeks in I, I flew out to arizona you know had to pass all my medicals you know whatnot before signing the contract but signed the contract super cool and you know with me throwing so many innings my junior year um, i was just shut down working out throwing bullpens you know just really getting ready for the next season you really didn't get to experience that adjustment there your first year and then you know COVID happens there in 2020 so what happens there you know how long is it before you're you're pitching in your first minor league baseball game yeah, it's I've got a different story than most, dude. That's for sure. I got drafted in 2019. Um, you know, was out at the complex working out in a small group of guys, just getting ready for the next year. I'm down at spring training for 2020. You know, COVID gets hit, we get sent home. You know, I just go end up going training. You know, they say keep your arm ready, it could be two weeks. I mean, months go by. Then I was fortunate enough to make the 60 man roster with the Angels. So I actually flew out to LA and got to play with their triple a and pro guys and so i think i ended up waiting 15 or 16 months to throw my first professional pitch and it was actually on angel stadium like in anaheim which was pretty it was such a cool feeling um so that was pretty neat and then i ended up getting sent home from the 60 man 
ended up going to Instructs that fall, maybe in October, pitched for a month, pitched super well. And then I got traded in 2020 to the Orioles. So I hadn't even been to an affiliate yet. Hadn't really even thrown my first pitch at an affiliate and I'd already been traded. So it was kind of a whirlwind of events. Yeah, I'm sure. So being part of that 60 man roster, going to the alternative site, being part of the, what what they call it again? I can't remember. Was it the uh, taxi squad? I think it was called. Yeah. Taxi squad, alt site. It was, I mean, it had so many different names. Yeah. Different, so, uh, teams. so what, what did that day to day look like going, be, you know, being a part of that taxi squad alternative team, what did that look like? And I guess, was it all games was it more practices? What are the alternatives? Yeah, no, it's uh, well, first off, a lot of COVID protocols, that's for sure. We had to do all kinds of tests and temperature checks and make sure everyone's safe just to get in there. But it was pretty cool. I was actually at the all site, which was at Long Beach State, which ironically, that's where my brother went to school. So I knew the area pretty well. Um, but it was cool. I mean, I got to be with the major league pitchers and play catch. I played catch with Andrew Heaney, like one of my first days. And, you know, I'm just sitting there talking with Dylan Bundy in the locker. It was pretty neat. And, uh, we just did a lot of scrimmages. Pitchers worked out, played catch through bullpens, and just kind of inter-squatted against each other. But that going back to that first game that I pitched in, um, it was pretty neat because Dylan Bundy and Shohei Otani threw the first seven innings, and I threw the eighth inning. So that was unbelievable watching that happen in front of my eyes. And, you know, the fact that I was on the same field and pitched pretty well was pretty cool. So you actually get traded from Anaheim Angels to the Baltimore Orioles, like you said, before you even play affiliate ball. Take us through that trade, you know, how you find out what that's like going from one MLB organization to another. What did that whole trade look like? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, uh, you know, no one really expects to get traded. You know, when you're in that top 30 prospect list, you're, you know, you can always maybe be thrown around a room when a big league uh, trade comes along. But now I was at my house in Nashville and I, you know, decided I'd plug my phone and I think it was almost dead and I would go take a shower around eight o'clock and, you know, I get out at eight, 10, eight, 15. I've got seven or eight missed calls, all these texts from, uh, you know, people, you know, higher ups and the angels saying, call me as soon as possible. I called them. They informed me that I had been traded, um, you know, say thank you for your services, all these things, you know, nice things. And they just keep it brief. And, at the end, I said, can you tell me who I was traded to? At first, you know, they, at first they kind of forgot to tell me where I was going. And they told me the Orioles. And, you know, I got really excited being back on the East Coast. You know, my family lives there. You know, my grandfather loved the Orioles growing up. So it was a pretty unique uh, experience, uh, you know, getting traded. No one really expects it. Um, but for me, it was pretty neat because with me not being at an affiliate yet, it was almost just like I'd been drafted by another team. Um you know, Michael Elias, the GM, calls me and, you know, congratulates me and welcomes me. It's it's pretty special. Yeah. So with it being the offseason, I assume you kind of went about your business the next day, kind of the same. But, you know, you go there to Florida, probably instead of instead of Arizona that next year, you know, looking at both, you know, spring training, because you did get in 2020 a little bit of spring training before COVID yeah. shut it down. Like, can you kind of give us a comparison between spring training in Florida with the Orioles compared to, you know, spring training in Arizona with the angels? Yeah. I mean, first when I was traded, you know, it was cool. They, they obviously maybe traded me for a reason. They liked what I had to offer. And it was cool because it wasn't like I had to do anything different. They were like, Hey, you're going to keep doing your training. However you do, you're just going to show up to Florida here in February instead, you know, so it wasn't like I had to fly out immediately, go do assessments, whatnot. I got to just kind of keep my training, you know, talk to some strength coaches, pitching coaches, you know, just kind of filming what I was doing. Um, 
But again, I, with my, you know, my story, as I explained it in the past, I didn't really have a normal spring training either with COVID and all these things and being sent home early and whatnot. So it was kind of cool going to the Orioles, a fresh start with, you know, with my eyes just wide open, you know, ready to learn. Yeah. I saw an article that you said going, being traded to the Baltimore Orioles was a dream come true. I know you mentioned your grandpa was an Orioles fan. I know Virginia is somewhat close to Maryland as well. Like I said, I'm from the Midwest. I don't know the whole geography that great. I know, it's, I know they're close. Uh, so dreams come true. Is that, was that your favorite team growing up or what exactly made it that dream? Yeah, no, it was pretty neat. I mean, that was my first, uh, whenever I went to my first MLB game, it was in Camden Yards. And I, I still have the pictures sitting there with my brother and, uh, you know, my mom and, you know, a few of her friends that lived in the area. So pretty unique that I've got the experience that I was my first stadium going to as a kid. And, you know, hopefully I get to debut there here soon. So I, I think it was. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, going through, going to, going to Baltimore, you know, playing in your first affiliate game, you know, what was that like, you know, going, playing for an affiliate, obviously much different than the alternative site, spring training, anything that you've experienced before, just take us through, you know, what that was like playing for, you know, a couple of different affiliates that you have so far, you know, now being in Bowie this year as well. Just what's that like playing for all these different affiliates? Yeah, no, it's cool. It's, you know, it's a, uh you know, a little bit different in college. In college, you play four games a week. and pro ball, you play six games a week for, you know, 150 games in a year. So it's definitely, you know, it's a lot of hard work, but it's it's definitely worth it if you could just, you know, take it one step at a time. And, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to get ahead of yourself thinking it's such a long season. But, you know, again, it goes back to, you know, I was talking about the Canes and building these relationships. You build unbelievable relationships with people. And, I mean, like today, I, I threw to Connor Pavloni. He was my catcher at Tennessee, and now he's in double-A with me with the Orioles. Like, it's such a small world and, you know, full circle and playing with all these top prospects, you know, seeing guys debut in the majors. It's it's a pretty cool thing seeing, you know, we're kind of slumming it at some of these you know, small parks and you live in a hotel all the time and whatnot. But, again, we get to live our dream out and our chance to make it to the majors. So I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. So, you know, as I, as I look through your, your minor, your minor league profile, I'm seeing that, you know, you've started the majority of the games that you've pitched in. So what does that look like as a, as a, as a starting pitcher within minor league baseball, just in terms of you're pitching on Monday, maybe five, maybe six days later, you're pitching on Saturday, Sunday, you know, what does that, what does that look like in terms of your schedule on an actual day that you're pitching, take us through, you know, that routine of getting to the ballpark, what exactly happens. And then on an off day, you know, whether that's tracking pitches going through some arm care routine. What exactly does that look like for like just your schedule being a starting pitcher in, in minor league baseball? Yeah, no, it's pretty nice. Um, you know, all the relievers would say they're jealous because we get to know when our scripted innings are, they say. You know, they always say, oh, you know when you're throwing or whatnot. So it is nice knowing when you're going to get to throw. You get to kind of hone in on your routine and your schedule and what you kind of figure out what knows, you know, know what works for you. I'm 25 years old. I've been doing it for a little bit. So I kind of know what works for me, but you know, if I'm starting on a Tuesday game, you know, we might play at seven o'clock. I'll get there, you know, three or four hours early, you know, just kind of relax for a little bit. And, you know, as we get, you know, two hours away, I'll really start, you know, getting my prep in and doing all the things that I like to do. But it's pretty neat. You get to go out and pitch and, you know, throw some, some crowds and, you know, play against, you know, most talented players and, you know, in the world. It's pretty neat. And, just you get to do it all over again so it's all about kind of the routine and the preparation and you know just making sure you're healthy and you know can perform at the best of your ability going into this season third opening day 
you know, for you going through spring training, going to opening day, finding out, you know, where you're going to be signed to, to start the season. What does that look like? You know, how far in advance are you guys finding out? Okay. Expect to be sent to Bowie this year, expect to be sent to so whatever city it happens to be, you know, when do you kind of find out what does that look like as spring training comes to an end and that regular season, you know, gets closer and closer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, spring training is kind of the same each year, you know, there'll usually be an early camp for starting pitchers, you know, maybe the relievers and some of the hitters will arrive a little bit later just so we can build up our arms to throw, you know, I threw five innings in the inner squad today, just so, you know, we've got to be able to handle a little bit more load, but uh, I mean, they tell us, you know, a week, that that kind of that week that you break, you know, they don't want to tell you too early because they're still figuring out rosters. And, you know, if someone tweaks something, they don't want to tell a guy that, you know, they're going to this level and then, you know, maybe they get promoted or demoted. So, you know, I mean, we're professionals at the end of the day. We just kind of take it with uh, how they tell us and just are excited to get get down there safely and, you know, get the season going. Yeah. So had that first inter squad game tonight, you said pitch five innings. What's the first couple of days been like here in Bowie here, you know, before the season gets rolling, been there for a couple of days. What's, what's these first couple of days been like? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of wild because you got to hop in your car and, you know, drive 14 or 15 hours down here and break it up. Of course, they don't want us doing it all in one drive, but um, you know, setting up your lockers, meeting coaches, team meetings, you know, it's a little bit of a cluster, but you know, you, you know, I'm just happy to be back. We're excited to play again. It's uh, it's cool watching guys take BP again. You know, you know, we play in a little bit of a launching pad here in Bowie, and I mean, I don't know if I've seen more balls hit over the fence in batting practice than I did yesterday. It was pretty pretty cool to see. You know, and seeing the, the pitchers' confidence high. But uh, you know, we're just kind of building into you know opening day, which is on Thursday, which uh, you know we're super excited to get going. Yeah. So as the season gets rolling here in Double A here to start the 2023 season. You know, what are some of those personal goals you have as the season gets started and you look forward here for this 2023 season? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you know, you just want to be healthy the whole year. I think that's something I can pride myself on, you know, taking care of myself and just making sure that I'm out there. You know, they always say it's, you know, hard to make the club in the tub. You know, it's uh, you want to make sure you're healthy. But I mean, I just want to go out there and give it my best all the time. I mean, I've got small personal goals that I'm working on. I always want to improve on getting better and I think I've worked really hard in the offseason leading into spring training and you know accomplished a lot of those goals and I've worked hard to be ready where I am for the season and really just uh ready to get after it okay so when you actually are up there on the mound I just got a couple more baseball segments here ended off with a little bit of personal questions with this you know when you're actually on the mound kind of take us through what that pitching repertoire looks like you know beyond your fastball what are some of those pitches you're offering yeah, absolutely. You know, in the past, guys would probably label me you know, more of a pitchability guy, you know, can throw any pitch, any count. So, you know, I throw a two seam and a four seam, you know, I'm throwing, you know, I'm finally getting back to my two seam a little bit more, which I threw into, in college, which was a pretty good weapon for me. But I throw a curveball, a slider, change up, cutter, you know, guys will look at me, even my own teammates are like, man, do you ever throw a fastball or do you know, you never throw two of these pitches in a row or, you know, it's just something that I pride myself, you know, trying to keep the hitters off balance. You know, Greg Maddox was uh, one of my favorite pitchers growing up. And, you know, he always said that, you know, changing speeds is like one of the most important things. And, you know, but I've worked hard this offseason to, you know, in the weight room and trying to throw harder. And, you know, I'm throwing the hardest I ever have now. So I'm trying to get that finesse uh, out of my way. And, you know, maybe I can lean more into being a power pitcher, but, you know, still staying to what I do well and, uh, you know, just trying to do that.
Okay. So, you know, having a pretty loaded pitching repertoire already, I think you mentioned probably six pitches, you said. Any <laughs> other pitches you're trying to add here in the near future? Or are you pretty set here with these five, uh, six pitches you're offering? Yeah, I'm pretty set with what I've got. People joke all the time if I'm going to add a seventh pitch or a fork ball, like, you know, some of these new, you know, watching the World Baseball Classic guys are throwing these awesome pitches. But, uh, you know, again, with throwing some of these pitches, you know, you can overcomplicate it sometimes. Sometimes we just need to go back to throwing a fastball low and away, you know, and not overcomplicating it. But, uh, you know, there's always rooms to improve and super excited to work with our coaching staff here and, you know, continue to make all my stuff better and, you know, hope, hope, hope the team wins. Yeah. So, you know, going through just pro ball, whether that's with the Angels, with the Orioles, or with some of your actually affiliate pitching coaches, all these different pitching coaches that you've had, you know, what's some of the biggest developments you've made, you know, as a ball player on the mound since you've been in pro ball here for, you know, these past couple of seasons? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think one of the best things for me, and, you know, I say this, you know, I think I would say this to little kids is, you know, you kind of have to be your own best pitching coach. You know, we all kind of know what we need to work on, we need to improve on and what we do well. And I think, you know, I'm always kind of been in the strike zone, maybe even too much in the strike zone. So this offseason, I kind of worked on just getting out of my head on mechanics or this and that and really just helping build confidence and doing things, you know, working hard and doing everything that I need to do. And went into the spring training and super, super proud of the way I performed and, uh, really feel like I've checked a lot of the right boxes leading up into the season and just trying to keep it simple. I think when I was in college pitching my best, you know, I was just competing. I really wasn't thinking about how I'm holding this pitch or, you know, manipulating this ball or am I lifting my leg high enough? I was just trying to get the guy out. And I'm kind of going back to that mindset and it's worked super well for me. So you talk about that leg kick there, you know, take us through those mechanics. What does that look like? You're in the windup, you know, how is this, how is this, these mechanics kind of developed? Take us through, you know, what that kind of looks like. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously guys will change, you know, little things here and there each offseason. But I feel like for the most part, if you turn on the TV and you're watching Max Scherzer pitch tonight, he's going to pitch pretty similar to the way he did in college, if not in high school, too. So, you know, I think we all move, you know, we kind of have our signature moves and our mechanics, but it's more about just fine tuning, you know, maybe your arms a tad later and let's get more on time or maybe your direction's a little bit off. But I think at the end of the day, you know, baseball's such, such a confident sport and believing that you can get the next guy out and that your stuff is good enough to play. And I think that's, uh, you know, where my game you know excels now is really just believing in myself. Yeah. So, you know, being a starting pitcher, you know, you're out there before the game, warming up there in the bullpen. What are some of those pitching cues that you have that you're like, okay, you know, I'm feeling this right now. What are some of those things that you just know if you're feeling a certain way, you're just going to go up there and dominate that night? Yeah, no, I mean, again, I've always been such a location guy and feel like I can throw, you know, each pitch to the spot that I want to. So, and I follow a pretty tight routine. I usually throw you know, close to 20 pitches, if not throw the same routine each time. Like it's, it's, you know, each guy's so different. You know, some guys are up there just flying on the ball and it works for them. Some guys are a little bit more particular and meticulous. So I feel like I'm, you know, kind of a perfectionist when it comes to practice, but when the game comes, I can kind of turn the switch and, you know, just be free and just compete super hard. So, you know, it's not one thing. I mean, it's a lot of things, you know, just knowing your body and figuring out as you go. And, you know, luckily, you know, I'm 25 and still get to play this kid's game. I feel like I, I know a thing or two about, you know, what works for me. 
All right, so digging into my last baseball segment here. So like I said, you know, I'm trying to be an agent once I graduate from school here, you know, next year. So I was like, you know, ask these players, ask players like yourself, you know, why you chose your agent, you know, how the whole process went down. Kind of take us through that whole draft advisor selection process. I know it was a while back now. You said you had your draft advisor back there in 2016. <laughs> but, you know, take us through that selection process and, you know, when exactly it was that draft advisors and agents kind of started reaching out. Yeah, absolutely. I love how you said advisor and agent because you get in a little bit of trouble. I don't know what the deal is now with NIL and whatnot. If you can have an agent before you go to college, because I think it was an advisor beforehand. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I didn't talk to too, too many guys. I think I knew, you know, I was kind of dead set on going to college, but I also knew that I kind of needed, uh, you know, probably someone to lean on. So you know, luckily growing up in Chesapeake, Virginia was kind of a hotbed for baseball. Um, I mean, we had Michael Kadire come from there, David Wright, the Upton brothers, Mark Reynolds. I mean, we had, we had an incredible, you know, community of guys to look up. And I think that's helped me be where I am right now. So I knew David Wright went to Hickory High School, which was, you know, the next town over from I lived in Graybridge. And um, so his younger brother, Matt Wright, had actually reached out to me about working together. And, you know, you know, it was something that we could, you know, we saw eye to eye. We trusted them. We knew they came from a good family. Like his, his older brother was like a hero of mine growing up. So it kind of seemed like a dream come true, you know, being able to work with him. Yeah. So let's say you did, let's say you were to go through that process and have to choose between, you know, one or two guys. Um, or so, you know, if you had to look at it and compare different different agents, different draft advisors, you know, what would have been some of those key things that you would have been looking for within those comparisons, just some key things you'd have been looking for within your guy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I mean, just as we're talking here, like we kind of know we've kind of got a good connection here. I feel like we're, you're asking your questions. I feel like we're kind of flowing. I think, I think you kind of know when you sit down with a guy, you know, knowing that you can trust him and you know, knowing their backgrounds or this and that. And I think at the end of the day, you know, the better he represents you, the better it helps him too. So it's like, you know, it's a give and take and you want to have someone in your, in your circle that you can ask anything, you know, baseball, family related, you know, maybe you're just curious about something you need an answer. You know, that's the cool thing is I can, I can reach out and um, you know, it's a, you know, a whole circle of people that are ended up helping me. So I think if I could do it again, you know, I think, you know, you just ask the right questions, feel like it's a good relationship and go from there. Okay. So, you know, leading up to that draft there in 2016, going through college, you know, and, and then after the 2019 draft as well, as you're going through pro ball, you know, what do those conversations look like, you know, after you had already chose him, be your draft advisor, you're like, Hey man, I'm choosing you to be my guy. You know, what do those conversations look like afterwards? How often are you guys, you know, communicating back and forth? I'm sure it alters from time to time throughout the year, but what does that kind of look like? What does that communication look like? you know, as he represents you and he knows that you're his guy already anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it's always nice having someone that, you know, has the the background and the, just the understanding of how the baseball works. I mean, there's still questions I'm asking him, Hey, how does this work going to arbitration or this and the 40 man? And wait, it's been three years and not four years. And that's, you know, the 40, you know, so, you know, for someone who's got, an expert base, you know, background in baseball is awesome to be able to ask questions, especially when you're just a naive high school player that doesn't really necessarily know how it works or, um, so it's cool just having someone that you can reach out to and, you know, ask those questions. Cause again, you know, there's certain rules, you know, you're not allowed to talk to certain, you know, 
the, you know, you want to make sure you're not breaking rules or anything too, and getting yourself in trouble. So it was nice having someone that you could lean on in that, in that realm. I'm sure. All right. So to get into my last segment here, beyond the game of baseball, you know, we've talked about baseball for, you know, probably a little bit over an hour now, got about five <laughs> or six, you know, rapid fire questions, basically just personal questions beyond the game of baseball. So, you know, beyond baseball, what are some of those passions that you have, some things you enjoy doing, take your mind off the game of baseball, take your mind off of something, cope with some stress, whatever it happens to be, you know, what are some of those other things you enjoy doing? Yeah, absolutely. My my roommate here in Boone is actually uh, Jensen Elliott, and he's a scratch golfer, so I like to go out with him and try and uh, try and match his level, but it, it doesn't work out, and I end up losing way more balls than he does, but uh, it's super fun to go out there and you know, take your mind off the game for a little bit and just be competitive and be able to talk with guys. And uh, I'm excited to get back into Philly here. You know, I get to cook for myself quite a bit. I, you know, my mom was a great cook growing up. So it's nice uh, being able to, you know, cook some good meals. It'll hopefully uh, help me perform better on the field as well. So I, I definitely enjoy cooking and uh, yeah, I mean, you, you find things, but honestly just hanging out with the guys or maybe if it's playing cards or, you know, hanging out in the clubhouse, doing all kinds of things. So it's uh you know, it's definitely important to have a life outside of the game. It, it helps, I think, you know, your game on the field. Okay. So go-to meal, have to cook any, have to cook anything. What's your favorite thing to cook? Yeah. Like if you were to come over for the first time, I think I'd probably make you this orange chicken dish with uh, some rice and broccoli. It's pretty good. My, my mom's been cooking it for years and, you know, passed on the recipe to me and it, it's super good. Yeah. So I know with you, with you having a busy schedule, are you a meal prep guy or do you kind of be like, you know what, tonight I'm feeling that orange chicken, tonight I'm feeling whatever, you go ahead and make it. Or do you kind of, you know, have that meal plan, have that meal prepped? What does that kind of look like? Yeah, a lot of the times we're actually kind of on the hook for, you know, breakfast and maybe a, a meal right before the field. So, you know, I'm more of an eggs and oatmeal guy in the morning and then I'll probably cook something for, for lunch if I don't go to Chipotle or something. But, uh, yeah, when it, I definitely buy things in bulk. I don't know if I meal prep for the whole week, but if I make a meal and I'm going through the trouble, I definitely try to make a, a big enough portion that'll last a few days. And then, uh, you know, they give us a pregame meal and the postgame dinner meal, which is really nice. And, uh, you know, the Orioles take care of us here. So right. it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, just, it's really nice to have. Awesome. All right. So digging into motivations here, you know, what is it that helps you, you know, get out of bed every morning, helps you just continuously evolve as a ball player, but as a person as well, just what are some of those motivations that you have that, you know, just do that for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think one cool thing about, you know, you know, being an older guy, maybe being a veteran guy in this double A, you know, locker room is like, I think your perspective just changes as you get a little bit older. You know, I think you're just a lot more grateful for certain things. You know, you've played with guys, you've seen guys get traded, get released or whatnot. So it's, you know, I think you're just more grateful for every opportunity you have. Um, I think, you know, guys can lose sight that they're a lot closer than they think. You know, the guys are getting called up from double A straight to the major leagues nowadays. And I think sometimes it can be a little bit hard to see like, oh man, I'm struggling right now, but you could, you could really have a good few weeks and turn into a good month. And before you know it, you're promoted or, you know, you're, you're playing on TV. So really just a chance to give my best and continue to work hard and do hard things is, you know, what keeps me motivated. Yeah. So you talk about how perspective changes as you get older. So the, the the answer to this next question is going to be a little bit different than, you know, what I'm asking, you know, high school kids committed to power five programs, perfect picture of your life, 20 years down the road, you're going to be in your mid forties there at that point, everything's going right for you. What does that perfect picture look like at 40, 20 years down the road at 45? 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully I've uh, pitched in the, the big leagues for about 10 years and uh, and then ultimately, you know, end up probably helping, uh, you know, young players aspire to their dreams too. I think, uh, you know, what looks for me after baseball is definitely any way that I can kind of help other athletes, if it be in baseball, if it be in anything, just, you know, I feel like I've got a lot of recruiting experience. I feel like I've got a lot of experience being in up and down the minor leagues and the confidence it takes and just the experience I have, I definitely feel like I've got, you know, something I could offer to people to, you know, hopefully help them reach their dreams too. So is Virginia going to be the place you move back to, or are you thinking about somewhere else in the country? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've definitely like, I've been to a lot of areas uh, playing, uh, playing baseball. It'll take you a lot of places. And I like the North Carolina area a lot, but uh, we'll, we'll see where that takes me one day. Okay. All right. So a couple days ago when we were kind of, you know, trying to schedule out this interview, you told me, you gave me a call. You're like, Hey man, like I'm in the middle of a 14 hour drive right now. <laughs> so, you know, when you're on those long drives, you know, long road trips, whatever, what is that go-to playlist that you got? Favorite music genre, favorite singer, whatever it is. What is that go-to playlist? You know what I think I was jamming out to on the way down here was I went on Spotify and I found some playlist that someone made about, um songs they wish they could listen to for the first time and i just thought that was a cool thing you know it was like you know we've all got that one movie or that one song or you know that one person we've met that we almost wish we could do it over again and so i thought that was a that was a cool playlist but uh definitely not a huge rap guy because i feel like we get that all the time in the locker room so kind of mixing it up from from all different genres Okay. All right. So final question here for you, you know, when it comes to being a pro athlete, you know, all businesses across the country, you know, are wanting to obviously NILs, like you mentioned earlier, is a big thing nowadays, athlete endorsement deals, businesses are always trying to work with pro athletes for you being a pro athlete. What is that dream brand that you would love to endorse, collaborate with, partner with whatever happens to be? What would that dream brand be? Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, it, funny enough, I actually already have a deal with Wilson, which is a pretty cool deal. You know, being a kid, my my parents gave me uh, an A2000 on my 10th birthday when I was a kid. And I used it all the way through high school, you know, almost, you know, from being a 10 year old all the way through. And it was this pancake floppy type glove. And now the fact that I get two every year for for spring training and I think I still go back to the oldest Wilson I have at the time I just love the way that feels maybe with being being a kid growing up but I don't know maybe something to do with uh, food or meals or you know something like that um, I'm not the biggest uh, biggest gear guy uh, maybe guys would, would say I'd, I'd look cooler in some flashier stuff but I like to go out there and you know play with my game okay there we go that's the final question here on the J-Care podcast, you know, I just super, like, just super appreciative of you giving me your time. Like I said, I know it's a busy time of the year, you know, as the season's getting ready to ro get, get rolling. So just thanks for coming on the show, man. You know, as you go through this 2023 spring, uh, sorry, this 2023 season, you know, just best of luck, best of luck the rest of your career. You know, I'll definitely be following you, you know, wish you the best of luck. And again, just, you know, thanks for coming on the J-Care podcast. Hey, thanks so much. It was super fun. I, I think you do an awesome job. I listened to a few of your podcasts and, you know, it's pretty cool getting to interview some of the, the next coming, uh, you know, best things in the game of baseball and other sports. So thanks for having me.